Welcome to Breaking Banks, the number one global fintech radio show and podcast. I'm Brett King. And I'm Jason Henricks. Every week since 2013, we explore the personalities, startups, innovators, and industry players driving disruption in financial services. From incumbents to unicorns, and from cutting-edge technology to the people using it to help create a more innovative, inclusive, and healthy financial future. I'm J.P. Nichols, and this is Breaking Banks. Welcome to Breaking Banks. I'm your host, Amber Bucher, and today I'm joined by a super exciting group of folks to talk payments. Payments make the world go round, and businesses are getting a lot more creative about how to take your money and how they influence which accounts customers use to pay for things. We're going to dive into those trends, the impacts they've had on banks, and what a select group of bankers is doing about it. So I'm really excited to be joined once again by the candescent Ron Shevlin, who's been thrown off heat as the senior contributor to Forbes and chief research officer for Cornerstone Advisors. Hi, Ron. Hey, Amber. Great to be here. I also have some very cool bankers in the house. They just co-founded an open payments network with a group of other banks called Chuck. So say hello to president and CEO of Reading Cooperative Bank in Reading, Massachusetts, Julianne Thurlow, and the chief information officer of Chesapeake Bank in Kilmarnock, Virginia, DJ Cedarlin. Hello. Thanks for having me. Hello, everyone. Great to have you guys here. Thank you for joining. So, Ron, I'd love to start with you to help kind of set the scene for listeners out there. You know, the payments landscape has changed pretty rapidly since COVID. We saw people moving away from cash, adopting contactless payments. But even before that, we were seeing some really big shifts away from traditional payments that were threatening to turn banks into, I think you coined the term paycheck motels. You were the originator of that gem. So can you talk a little bit about that trend and how it's impacted banks and the bottom line in in regard to payment revenue over the last several years? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, but I, I'm almost inclined to say no, because we have a time limit here. And so, mm-hmm. you know, you're asking something that is so broad. You know, you mentioned, you know, payment behaviors have changed, payment types have proliferated. Uh, it's just so all over the map these days. Buy now, pay later in the past two years has has taken off and shot, uh, shaken up the payments world. Uh, but, you know, one thing that has really, let's focus this really on, on the banks and buy now, pay later is certainly having big impact on the banks as well. You know, one thing I think will kind of lead us into the discussion is the uh, the evolution of, of, of person-to-person payments, P2P. And, uh, you know, this isn't something that's new for a lot of banks. They've had it for a long time, built into the first the online banking platform and then the mobile banking platform. Uh, And to some extent, it was kind of a waste of time to put it in the online banking platform. Who needed to make a payment at 11 o'clock at night when they were sitting at their desk, you know, wanting to get stuff done and go to bed? And so they struggled a lot with adoption for that. And then along came Venmo that, you know, really kind of put uh, P2P payments into overdrive. And then a few years later, in an an attempt to kind of stem that growing tide, uh, Zelle emerged from early warning systems and really out of the old clear exchange, right? That was the name of the consortium for the big banks uh, and came out of that and, you know, has, has really done an amazing job at uh, signing up a, a good number of banks, particularly, I think, practically 95% of the large ones and a huge percentage of the mid-size. But there, there still leaves the banks with a lot of challenges from a payments perspective in that 
Um, the economics of Zelle can be challenged. I don't want to put anybody off from Zelle on this. I don't need to get any phone, more phone calls from early warning system about <laughs> things I say uh, off the cuff. But, you know, there are some economic challenges for a lot of mid-sized banks, a lot of things to do with the data. And so, you know, we, we get here to, to 2022 with a lot of mid-sized financial institutions you know, facing a, a myriad of challenges around payments, but specifically around P2P payments and trying to figure out what do we do with this? What is the best economic uh, approach to this? I don't think anybody harbors any delusions that they're going to actually charge directly for P2P payments anymore as the industry once did. And so they wrestle with uh, where do we go from a technology perspective? And very importantly, where do we go with this from a business model and economics perspective? Yeah, Julie and DJ, what are your reactions to that? I saw a lot of, not, lot of nodding heads. Um, curious if Ron's take kind of corroborates what you're seeing. Maybe DJ, we'll start with you. Sure. Um, yeah, I, I agree with Ron about it, several of the things he said there, including the fact that we're not going to be able to charge for P2P. Um, yeah, uh, Venmo definitely did take us uh, by storm, and we, we see huge usage of, of things like that and Cash App and others. Um, and there's there's definitely competition uh, to some extent in the market with Zelle, um, but it doesn't seem to be addressing the needs of all of our customers. So that's why I think we, we've got to be innovative and come up with new solutions uh, like what we're doing with Chuck so that we can help address that need both for the customers, but also to, to get the banks in, engaged and involved in that process, in particular the community banks. Well, and I think Ron teed up um, teed up Chuck perfectly, and the the business case for for why payments and why now. Um, we ended up um, joining Alloy Labs. Oh, wow, it's been over two years, and one of the problems that that we teed up right away when we were actually um, having our innovation conversation was payments, um, and. Um, I had just been to the leadership um, conference um, for the American Bankers Association. I was on the board at the time, and Brian Moynihan had announced um, that Zelle had created early or early warning systems had created um, Zelle for the banking industry. And so I ran back to the bank and said, "Hey, there's something here. We're going to have it." Um, and interestingly enough, it was a hard for our core to get access to Zelle, but. Um, all of our people inside said, but I use Venmo. I'm, I'm, I don't want to use Zelle. Um, and um, the beauty of Venmo is Venmo um, made it cool to, to make payments. And in fact, you know, that's how you prove to your kids that you were still young, right? Um, was when you actually accepted a payment from them or sent a payment to them or actually, you know, split a bill with somebody. And God forbid you used an emoji to do it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and actually the emojis were really important. Um, but um, our younger staff really were the were the individuals that communicated to us the value of having a partnership that actually allowed you to use the payment systems, um, and um, and why a bank would want um, a P two P solution in their app and and what you know again if you ask your customer um, they'll tell you why they want it and why why it makes sense for them to have it in their app um, and why what we were offering for solutions weren't working for them. Yeah, so let's dig into a little bit about what the network actually does to make sure that that's super clear for everyone. And I, I actually have a personal experience that I like to use to illustrate this because it, it literally happened to me. And I was like, oh, this is why we're building Chuck. It all kind of came together one day. So I, you know, I, I consider myself a pretty savvy millennial and uh, literally was splitting the bill for a pizza. And my brother-in-law, who is one of these like, you know, Android types that has a lot of opinions about technology that he, you know, thinks are very superior. superior. 
um, he, you know, we needed to, to share money. And he said, well, you need to download Cash App. And I said, well, I've got Venmo. I don't have Cash App. And he was like, oh, you have to get Cash App. It's the best. So here I am downloading yet another app, um, you know, to do that. And uh, it's my understanding that with the Chuck Payments Network, I wouldn't have had to do that. I could have just gone into my bank's mobile app that I already use every day to check my balance and do things like that. And I could have sent him the money to his Cash App account potentially without ever having to download that extra app. Now, not to say that Cash App is involved just yet, but is that conceptually kind of the idea behind the network that instead of having to use five, six apps every time a new one comes out, we could always go to our bank and that as that trusted intermediary to be able to to send money to some of these other services. Yes, um, I think you hit the nail on the head there, Amber. It's it's all about uh, connecting all of these disconnected payment systems, um, and so we can be there uh, as bankers. We're trying to be there for our customers, and our customers um, say that they have a problem to solve, and and like you, don't necessarily want to have to have all the apps um, or have shadow balances at all those places. So um, they can go to their banking app, send it wherever it needs to go in whatever way it needs to go, um, whether it be one of the a fintech wallet like that um, or a traditional banking rail. Um, you get the the choice opportunity there to both on the sender and receiver side to do that. So we're connecting um, all these different ecosystems together, um, trying to make it uh, an open loop as we describe it, not a closed loop where you have to be part both members have to be part of that same network. Uh, we're trying to make it easier, add value for the customers and and bring the banks back into that payments ecosystem. Uh, we're for a long time uh, felt like we abdicated that role to to others. And this brings us back involved in those. And think about all the others that are out there. You've got money in your Starbucks account. You have money in Amazon. You have money at Dunkin's. Um, you have money at Cash App at Venmo. You know, it's never where you need it to be. And so all of a sudden, you're, it's a shell game about pulling all the money together when it's time to um, to make a transfer or make a payment. You also, and I think, Julie, to your point, uh, for many consumers, I think, you know, people got to recognize this is never a winner-take-all game. You know, the, the P2P players have all sort of treated it that way. You know, Zelle versus Amazon versus Facebook versus Apple versus uh, cash app. And it's just, that's just not the way consumers operate and think. So the challenge is not only do they have to think about this and manage it in 10 different places, but I uh, would venture to guess that the, the typical millennial and even Gen Zer today couldn't tell you how much money they have sitting in their Starbucks app, their Venmo app, cash app, you know, the Square Cash app. They might know how much they have in their bank account. Um, you know, to access through Zelle, but, but I'm not even sure many are actually using the Zelle app itself. I think they're using their their bank or credit union app. So, you know, having the the insight into well, how much are we talking about here is a major challenge for for a lot of younger consumers. Absolutely. I'm definitely one of those people who Venmo emails all the time saying, you have money in your account. Did you know? <laughs> no, I didn't know, actually. Um, thank you. Uh, so, and and it's the, the Chuck Network is not designed to just be about P2P. Is that right? There are some other things on the roadmap that you guys will be working on in the coming years. That's right. Uh, P2P is just the first use case um, that we're, we're excited to launch and, and have live now. Uh, but there's a there's a lot more uh, both in the vision and in the works uh, that includes both uh, business to business, consumer to business. Um, so we're, we're connecting all of those ecosystems in rails to envision um, in, in connecting all the faster payment rails as well uh, to to simplify this, 
uh, for the consumer, but also uh, makes it easier for these uh, banks to be able to connect this and offer this. So as a as a banker, uh, we really struggled with how do I offer some of these things like faster payments to make it available to my consumers or businesses. So we see this as, as a way to easily integrate this, make it a solution that the banks can offer um, with, a, with a light lift on their end. Functionally right now, we actually have it in our mobile app. So a consumer can actually come to their mobile app or they can go to online banking, which that's something that not all P2P um, solutions actually offer. So you can go into your online bank account, you can actually see what's in your checking account, and then you can make payments from there. Um, but the beauty of it um, is from a consumer standpoint is the recipient can also then decide how they want to receive the funds that, that you're sending to them. It's not always necessary for them to download, as you would um, refer to a cash app. Um, they can actually put in their debit card and um, and account, debit card information, or they can put in the routing number and checking account and have it delivered right directly to their checking account. Um, so they have the money and the use of it right away. If I could jump in, Amber, just with a question for both Julie and DJ, uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I had an opportunity to talk with both of you guys and uh, publish an article on Forbes on, on the network. But uh, one of the things that I found, I think a lot of people found confusing coming out of it was how the network operates vis-a-vis -vis other payment mechanisms like a Venmo or a Zelle or a Cash App. And specifically with Venmo, what, what can you what can you say about Venmo and it's and how it works. I know I was kind of under the wraps a little bit a couple of weeks ago. Is there any anything you can say about the role of Venmo in the network? Uh, so we actually one of the buttons that we actually built into our mobile app is is the V, um, so that consumers know that that um, Venmo is an option, so they can actually send money to Venmo. So that is one of the options uh, options or just a traditional P 2 P over. Um, the debit card rails is also the other option, option or an ACH. Um, but consumers don't really get those terms, right? The ACH or debit card rails, do they care which one it is? They just want to know that the money is received there. Um, and I think that's um, the aha that we had. And then even, even DJ's point about, okay, so we've, we've built this, but there are uh, lots of other solutions that we can introduce here. There's lots of other players out there. If we can actually put them and centralize them in one spot, that's, that's solving something that consumers need solved. Um, even when you talk about the um, um, buy now, pay later, someone needs to create a solution so that people can coordinate all of that. Because do, does anybody really know all the things they agreed to last month? No, they don't. Well, well quick follow up to that. What's the benefit to Venmo for, for participating in the network? So I would actually say the um, security that a bank offers um, as compared to a payment that's happening externally. Um, banks have BSA rules. We have um, security rules. We have authentication um, established for our customers. So when a customer is actually coming into our mobile app and doing the transaction um, to Venmo, um, to somebody's Venmo account, they're actually doing it um, under the bank security. So it actually doubles down on security and um, authentication. The way that you all built the network is really interesting because it, it wasn't just reading. It wasn't just Chesapeake individual banks that went off and built this on their own. You combined forces with several other members of the Alloy Labs Alliance to share the workload and share the cost to do this. You know, that's maybe not a new model when you look at something like Early Warning System, which is primarily owned by really large banks, but it is really unique among community banks. 
I'm curious what your take on that is when you look at, you know, a lot of community banks would think that their competition is the bank down the road. And, and why would I partner with them to build something like this that, that I could just have for myself? What was your approach to that within your institutions? Well, from um, from Massachusetts to Chesapeake, there that's a long road. Um, <laughs> so, is, like, we yeah. definitely don't have the same customers. But um, I um, I think the cooperative approach um, and being able to drive down the cost is much easier um, to go to your board um, with an idea that you want to develop that may not become anything, um, but you think could um, when it's a shared cost amongst um, and a group of other innovative and thought leading banks. So that was made it much easier as far as the spend was concerned, obviously drove down the cost. Um, Also, um, we all come from different cores. So we all had to find our own way to our data, which then solves that problem for another group of other banks that that are around us and using the same core that we're using. Julianne, in particular, has been a a leader um, amongst the group and uh, both originating the idea but uh, driving this forward. So we were excited to be part of this this group of Alloy founders to do this. And and we've learned a lot uh, as well through the process. We've learned a lot about um, how to make all this work. And we've we've been contributing our own resources and our own people, uh, our, our marketing staff and our risk staff, to add resources and team and expertise to this. But it's all of us coming together. Um, and so it's been beneficial for us not only to, to have the resulting product and service that we can build, but also the expertise that we've gained together. Uh, it's all of us working together. And I think it's been a great model for, for us as a smaller bank that, that may not have the scale to try to do something one-off, but we can uh, work together to solve the problems. It's, it's been exciting for us. Hey, DJ, can we just uh, take a deep dive into the technology aspect of this for a moment? Because I know there's been, I've heard a lot of questions about, uh, specifically around the directory. Do you, from does the Chuck network manage the its own user directory? Do you integrate with other providers' um, directories and then manage it? Or, or who, who's doing the directory con- management around uh, and creation around this? Sure. So that's a that's actually a common question I get when I talk to, to the industry people about this is is how how are you solving the problems like Zelle solved it with a directory and and the answer is we're we're solving it in an entirely different way. Um, so because a Zelle, for example, or uh, a Pop Money or any of those other uh, solutions are closed loop, they have a single directory that tells the the people, okay, this this token, this person's name uh, or email address belongs to this bank and, and routing number. Um, but what we're doing instead is is um, we're sending it to the destination um, based on the the route that it goes. So, for example, if it goes over a traditional bank rail, we're just notifying the customer, the recipient, that they can receive the account, the the transaction. They get a text. They can uh, follow up on that, provide their card or account information, and the transaction uh, is finalized. Or, if say they took uh, one of these other uh, wallet approaches. Um, we can send it directly through an API to that vendor, but using that token. So we don't have to maintain a whole separate directory. We're utilizing the directories of those systems, whether it be a routing number directory or whether it be um, a token at a a fintech like a a Venmo or a Cash App uh, or whatever they're using. So there's not a single directory, and that's part of it being disparate systems connected. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And this might be a, a dumb question, but that's, I'm kind of used to asking those. So, you know, one of the, the typical challenges with Venmo is sending it to the wrong person, um, either through email or, you know, an, an, an at address. How is that 
being managed and, and prevented um, through the Chuck network. So part of the the user interface uh, includes the integration with the address book um, in in the phone or the app, and so it's easy to add a single contact from your address book to send that, and you're sending that to to an established phone number um, where that goes. There's also limits built in there to that, but you're sending it to these. It, it's you retreat it like cash. These PCP tra- transactions in particular, send, treating it like cash and sending it to a mobile number that you know based on your address book. I think understanding all of the technical aspects of the the P2P function is super important. And thank you so much for those questions, Ron. I wouldn't even know where to start asking them. Um, but I, I want to zoom out and 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 just you know acknowledge the fact that a lot of folks might see this as like a really expensive way at thumbing your nose at Zelle, but I don't think anyone on the line thinks that way. I know that one of the big pieces around around designing this and the reason that it came to fruition was really just customer demand, customer choice, wanting to have that service and let customers um, bank how they want to and to be a steward for them in that And I think there's also something really powerful here about using the bank's reach to help bridge the digital divide and give more people access to this kind of payment. So wondering if before we take our break here in a few minutes, if you guys could just riff on how you're thinking about the customer experience and why this was important to create for them. So one of the things that we did was we actually took a look in our database to find out where our consumers were doing payments when we were considering Zelle. Um, And um, we actually found that nine out of 10 times those payments were being used, um, being done on Venmo. Maybe it's because we're in a highly technical area of the country um, and um, and fintech is adopted faster here. Um, But Venmo was the app of choice for our customers. So, again, leaning into what what consumers are telling us as far as the data is concerned, that's the reason why we went that route. Um, The other was as a community bank having access, you actually already mentioned earlier, um, the larger banks have mostly signed on um, to the Zelle network. Um, and that makes complete sense when um, when a new company is coming out or a new product is coming out, you sell to the person that has the most customers. That's how you get critical mass and gain critical mass. Um, so um, understanding that um, we were on a smaller core and didn't have access right away. Um, so it was an opportunity for us to explore another alternative. And I think a choice is important, right? Um, so there shouldn't just be one solution out there for banks. This is another alternative. They can evaluate both. They can look at the pricing and see which works best for their customers and their um, their offering. And, and I can add that um, I agree. This is not about a, an anti-Zelle campaign at all. In fact, uh, Chesapeake Bank is a Zelle bank. Um, we made the strategic decision to implement both solutions. So we implemented Zelle as of September of last year. Um, as Julie had mentioned, it took us a while to get it. Um, but uh, we're we're glad to have it. But we're also implementing this. So um, for us, it's strategically about being where our customers are and being able to solve the problems for them. So for those that you know may need to receive a Zelle transaction um, or or want to send on the network, they can do that. If they want to send on a different network, we, we want to support that. Um, so I, I don't think it has to be uh, an either or necessarily. I think some banks will find the the, the right solution for their needs. Um, and I agree, it's about offering choice. And for us. Um, we went all in and, and and chose both options. Perfect. I think that's a great place to pause. And when we come back, we'll dive a little deeper into the work that you plan on doing with other banks in the network. If you work for a bank or a credit union, you already know that this strategic planning and budgeting season is filled with more uncertainty and risk than ever before. 
and the answers you need aren't in your boardroom or in your spreadsheet models. At Alloy Labs, we've worked with some of the most innovative financial institutions in the world, and our industry-leading tools and frameworks can help you create clarity out of chaos and prioritize what are always limited resources to help you defend and extend your existing business while you're creating viable options for the future. From intensive corporate programs custom-tailored for your situation and your team, to bite-sized digital workshops where you can learn from multiple bank perspectives, we can help you forge ideas into results quickly and cheaply. Learn more at AlloyLabs.com. Times of great change are also times of great opportunity, and the time to act is now. AlloyLabs.com. Hello, listeners. I'm Brett King, the host of Breaking Banks. Together, myself and Dr. Richard Petty have recently released our latest best-selling book, The Rise of Techno-Socialism. We look at how inequality, artificial intelligence, and climate change are going to shape our world moving forward. During the pandemic, the wealth of the world's billionaires ballooned. The richest 1% added $1.6 trillion to their wealth, meaning that they own more wealth than the bottom 90% of Americans today. Unemployment skyrocketed during the pandemic, but artificial intelligence could disrupt up to 80% of the jobs today. These new industries we are creating will face labor shortages because we aren't training our students with the right skills. By 2050, we'll need to produce 70% more food to feed the 9 billion inhabitants of the planet, but we lost 40% of our farmland to erosion and pollution in the last 50 years. By 2050, 570 global cities face inundation from sea rise. Miami, Guangzhou, New York, Calcutta and Shanghai are just the top five cities. If you want to know more about the solutions to these problems, check out The Rise of Techno-Socialism, our latest best-selling book. You can get it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or go to riseoftechnosocialism.com to find out more. Welcome to the future. All right, we're back. I'm excited to be talking with Ron Shevlin today, the ever effervescent. I just come up with all kinds of new adjectives for you every time we talk, Ron. Um, we also have a couple of amazing community bank leaders here with us, talking to Julie Thurlow, the CEO of Reading Cooperative Bank, and DJ Cedarland, the Chief Information Officer of Chesapeake Bank in Virginia. We're talking about the Chuck Payments Network that these guys just helped build. And Ron, you mentioned earlier, but you covered the launch of the network in your in your column at Forbes. And I think that you got a lot of feedback and a lot of questions. So I'm curious, what are some of the, the big questions that folks had that we might want to dive into in the discussion today? Well, before the break, we did get to the directory question, which was a, a big one. Uh, the, probably the other big question I got had to do with economics. And I think it was people time to begin to learn that Chuck is not looking necessarily to displace or replace Zell. Then they start asking, okay, so what's really the economics of this? Is this you know, uh, going to be an additional cost structure on top of it? And if we add other uh, payment places, uh, you know, destinations, how that's all going to work? So DJ, it might be a good place for you to start, uh, ask you to start on that, because as you mentioned before the break, you you have uh, adopted Zelle and are going into Chuck Network as well. So, you know, from Chesapeake Bank's perspective, what do the economics look like from both the short and long term perspective on this? 
Well, I can I can say that there is a compelling cost advantage uh, with the the check rollout over Zell. Uh, I couldn't speak to specifics uh, for us for the cost of Zell, but I can say we did make an investment there uh, for that. But uh, I think for those looking for uh, that that cost opportunity, there's a significant difference. Uh, we were very thoughtful of that as we were um, trying to define the pricing for that, both the initial setup uh, costs, those implementation fees, as well as the per transaction costs. Um, and part of the the, the setup costs uh, oftentimes comes from you know the work that it takes to integrate with your core provider and your online banking vendors and so forth. Uh, so part of the work has, has really been about how do we make these uh, implementations reusable, uh, something easy to work with. And as Julian mentioned earlier, we're working with uh, multiple banks that have multiple core providers. So we're building those things out early so that banks don't have to try to build those custom integrations. Uh, this would be a, um, as straightforward as possible. But um, I think there will be a compelling cost advantage there. And, and I think Julianne can speak more to her experience uh, as she she was determining the her decision. Well, before let Julie, Julie, before you jump in, I just want to follow up with DJ on, on one thing. I mean, you don't have much history with Zelle to date, but is it your is the bank's anticipation that uh, if you had only gone with Zelle, you know, you would see a certain amount of volume and that now with Chuck, you will, in effect, um, migrate projected transactions from Zelle to the lower cost platform? I'm not anticipating a big waterfall of Zelle transactions to uh, the new platform. Um, really what I'm expecting to do is pick up um, the volume of transactions that were not going through my bank in the first place. These were transactions that people were doing off net um, in non-bank environments, and we want to pull them back into the banking ecosystem so our customers can can work within their bank uh, to to manage their their accounts um, to to make their payments. Uh, so it's not really about uh, disintermediating Zelle so much as bringing more transactions and more volume into the bank um, is the direction we see it going. We already knew that there was a tremendous amount of volume happening on those networks. Uh, we're just trying to be part of that and, and provide that that service and added value to our customers. Yeah, thanks. I think that's going to be a real helpful perspective for a lot of bankers looking at this. And I don't think it was, I know I didn't make it clear in my article, and I think it needs a little clarification. Julie, I'll just turn it over to you. Yeah, I don't think your bank was uh, it, uh, we're operating with Zelle, had, uh, had deployed Zelle to begin with, so I don't think that that was an issue for you. So when you looked at the economics, how did that play out for, for Reading Cooperative? Yeah, I'm just going to roll back to a little bit of what DJ just said. Um, the, the play really is to stop the disintermediation that's happening to the banking industry. Um, by bringing the transactions back under the bank umbrella, we think it's better for the consumer to have that relationship contained in one spot. They can continue to use all the other solutions that are out there, but they can do it through their bank account. And so I think that's the banking win. Um, from an economic standpoint, we did not go with Zelle. We did take a look at it. Um, it was pretty expensive. And when you think about um, and I did already allude to the fact that nine out of 10 um, P2P transactions, um, when we actually researched our database, um, consumers were doing with Venmo and not with Zelle um, at the point when we um, were evaluating it. Um, and if all of those transactions migrated to Zelle, that would be a pretty high cost bump for those transactions, um, much more than a pro the cost of processing a check. Um, or processing an ACH. Um, so that would have draw, driven our operating expenses um, sky high. So um, I love, love the way DJ said that. It is a compelling cost advantage. Um, and that was also intentional um, with all the community banks that were part of the group. We were building something that we wanted to be a solution 
not another expense for the industry. Um, and um, from the you know, and then you know prospectively now that we have built going out and taking a look at what other alternatives, what other solutions can we bring into this platform? We've created the the rails, the framework. Um, so there are lots of other solutions and that lots of other places where our customers are doing transactions, and those will be our next targets: the cash apps, the um, B2B, PayPal, um, other solutions that are out there, so that we can actually get them um, back into our banking app. Yeah, and I can follow up with you, Julia, on one other thing. Let's talk user interface and user experience for a moment. Uh, I did see screenshots from your mobile apps uh, deployment. I think I actually stuck some of those pictures in the article I had published a couple of weeks ago. Who did that? Did did uh, people in your own bank do it? Did you outsource that? Um, did you go to the vendor for that? And and not just you, but who in the you know other banks in the network? Who's going to deal with the the user interface and design issues? So um, we actually designed that with our core. Um, our core COCC is actually um, also um, manages our mobile interface. Um, so the design, we actually worked between our marketing company and them as far as the design and also with the Alloy Group. Um, we did it um, very collectively with the group and sharing. I think DJ uh, alluded to that earlier, the benefit of us as a group sharing from institution to institution. No, we're not in each other's um, backyard. Um, but we are, um, we've become very close over the network and over Zoom, um, all of this remote time together. We've all become each other's new best friend and, um, and we've been able to share a lot. So, um, the marketing creative that we've actually done for, um, writing cooperative bank that's, um, prepared, um, to go live. We're also sharing across the network so other people can use, um, and benefit from that. I think Ron raises a really great point around uh, kind of who did what. I think it's really interesting to think of this group of community banks coming together around a shared purpose and building a new thing from scratch. How did that work out in terms of the division of labor? Was it, you know, DJ raising his hand for this and Julianne's team raising their hand for that? What did that look like? I think it's very much that. Um, it's, it was us working together and 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 say we need to we need to solve a problem here. We we need to produce a press release. And so our director of marketing, Paula Milstead, raised her hand and worked with Julie Williams from uh, another bank and said Let, let's work together to to put this together. Um, we've got people from other teams working together in in recognizing a problem to solve and doing that together. So that's been exciting to do that. It was actually fun to see people just raise their hands to do the different pieces, depending on who had what bandwidth. Um, we were buying two branches in November, so we were kind of busy in November. Um, but uh, other people picked up um, and um, and ran with the pieces that, that needed to be run with at that time. So it's kind of nice having a bigger team than just the people within, within your organization um, and even a bigger view um, of, of what this could be. Definitely. And DJ, I know that your bank, Chesapeake, has a special payments division. That's a really big piece of your bank's business. And so I'm sure that you guys have some really interesting expertise there. Can you tell the little listeners a little bit about what you guys do in that division? Sure. Our uh, Chesapeake Payment Systems is our merchant acquiring division. It's been around for about 25 years, and it's uh, brought us a, very deep into the payments ecosystem. Our director, Kate Root, is, it really brings a lot of expertise uh, to that for us. So through them, we process both uh, merchants locally, uh, about 600 local merchants that we support, but also uh, somewhere north of 8,000 merchants nationally that we sponsor into the payment system. 
Um, that actually was the driver for me being uh, engaged in the, the payments world and the payments industry itself. So I uh, came on and recognized we, we needed to uh, be more connected. Uh, that's how I got a chance to meet people like Julianne, um, was through work with the uh, American Bankers Association. And I said on the, their uh, payment systems uh, admin committee. Um, Julianne is also the vice chair of the ABA now, so very involved in the industry. Um, but that the work that we're doing um, in payments just brings us closer together to learn more about that. Um, and so we're trying to extend the payments knowledge we've developed in our, our payment systems division to you know, how can we grow that and build, use that expertise to do even more throughout the company. Well, and DJ's um, background with payments um, and RTP, um, his vision for how we can actually do more with this network um, and with RTP is also um, value. So just another example of how the group um, dynamically brings their expertise to bear for the benefit of the, the whole group. And I think from a technical perspective, you guys worked with a partner uh, called PayRails with a Z at the end. I'm very curious about that process, what it was like to find that partner and what some of those discussions were like. So as far as um, identifying the partner, we actually looked at a whole host of different solutions, developing direct um, to the payments providers or are finding somebody that actually had a rail that could actually get us um, that final mile. Um, and that's what PayRails actually did for us. Um, and that's one of the benefits, I think, of Alloy Labs um, for all of us as a group is um, it is a convener um, of new ideas and new solutions. And um, it was part of one of the offerings that was brought forward and um, being able to see how it could actually work for us. PayRails is our technology partner. Um, as Julian mentioned, uh, we came together. Um, they made a selection to work with PayRails, um, but then the, the founding banks made an investment um, together to develop the solution, um, relying on some of the, the legacy PayRails uh, services, but also building out the new solutions that, that we designed and imagined and the new ones that we're continuing to, to design and imagine as we work with the industry. So I'm glad you brought up the alliance and the fact that all of these banks got together and actually made an investment to build this solution. But the network is not just available to Alloy Labs members, correct? You'll be selling to banks that perhaps are not members of the Alloy Labs alliance, right? That is correct. And in fact, I think I've had a dozen phone calls since Ron's article went out. So, Ron, people do read your article um, <laughs> um, from bankers alone uh, asking me uh, about it and uh, had actually had several conversations with um, members of the, the Federal Reserve, FedNow team and uh, the Clearinghouse about how uh, we can partner with them. They're, you know, it's been exciting to have them reach out to us and say, we, we want to be a part of this. Um, let's do this together. So multiple um, banks, but uh, industry uh, people as well. The Faster Payments Council has reached out. So a lot of opportunity. So the the there are um, concentric circles, I guess. So we have um, the members of the work group um, that actually um, invested into the solution, built it out, and um, are all going live at this point. Um, there's all the other members of Alloy Labs, um, who obviously this is available to, and then there's the industry at large. Um, and anybody can sign on, and anybody is welcome to um, to use the solution. Do they have to become members of Alloy Lab Alliance to be part of Chuck? No, they do not. Okay. Second question is, will this be open to credit unions as well? Haven't asked the question directly, but I would imagine absolutely. Why wouldn't Why wouldn't we? Payments uh, are payments. Well, 
okay, I guess I could give you a thousand reasons why, but we probably don't so have time well. for that one. I mean, yeah, that'd be a whole other show. I could give you a thousand transactions why. Uh, I'm just, I just want to make sure people know that this is open to credit unions. I think they're going to be a huge potential base for this, uh, uh, maybe even more so than a lot of community banks out there. I would imagine yeah. so. And they get this type of a model because that's how they were formed. For sure. On that note, Ron, as these guys go out there and try to talk to other community banks and bring them into the network, how do you see that playing out? What what do you what do you have any advice for these guys on how they should be talking about this for it to make sense to kind of your average bear community banker out there? I don't think I need to give any advice to, to Julie or DJ on how to communicate. Uh, I'm the, certainly the wrong person to do it. Uh, they would be schooling me on this. But if I were in their shoes doing it uh, and left to my own devices, I'd be focusing on uh, two things very important, economics and long-term game plan. Make sure I want I want the perspective uh, banks and, and credit unions out there to know this isn't just about P2P. This is a longer term solution that cuts across a lot of different payments. The most, I would say, community banks and a lot of credit unions out there are wrestling now with the whole payments modernization challenge that they have. Uh, P2P is just one aspect of it. And, and maybe to a certain extent, the, the one least connected to, to the revenue line. And so, uh, you know, anybody looking at, you know, payments over the next five to 10 years has got to be thinking about a much more holistic solution to this and not a point solution for every P2P, faster payments, pay buy now, pay later. Everything can't be a one-off solution. And so um, that's why I'd be emphasizing the long-term game plan and roadmap and the uh, the economics. Well, I think um, you actually were the one that said that banks have a couple of years to figure this out, but they better figure it out fast. And that is um, what I alluded to earlier. The, the play is not just um, a one and done. It is actually reimagining and bringing transactions back into the bank, making the bank primary in a consumer's life again, um, instead of their Venmo account being more important to them. And there's even the opportunity to bring more people into the banking system. When you think about the number of people that have um, you know, side gigs um, and use Venmo instead of a checking account, um, this, is, um, this is a have to have for community banks. So as we wind down, I have to ask, what's with the name, Chuck? What, <laughs> what are we chucking? You know, it's harder than you'd think to find a name. Um, <laughs> there, there, are, there were quite a few before that one, right? That's right. There are, uh, we've discovered thousands of uh, product names with pay in them, <laughs> with the proliferation uh, of fintechs out there. Um, so, uh, yeah, we, we, we searched the world over. Um, I think there is some utility to Chuck um, in that um, it's, you know, it's a noun and a verb, uh, but it's also um, something I've heard Jason Hendricks, uh, CEO of Allo Labs, describe it as a, as a drill Chuck. You know, you can replace the bit in it. You know, you can do lots of different things with it. I think the key is this is a name just for banks. This is for us to sell to banks and, and get, uh, you know, to connect other banks to it. I'm excited about those conversations I have with banks um, so they can use this. Um, but it's the cool thing about this is a white label and we'll think they can call it whatever they want when they put it in their app. They can call it, you know, their their main street pay 
uh, solution or just pay a person. Um, we're, we're not going to get hung up on that. It needs to be exactly this Pantone color in this font. Um, this is about putting that that utility in their hands, in their customers' hands. Um, so yes, Chuck is is the name that we're we've branded as, so that we can we can call it something when we're talking to other bankers. Um, but it's uh, something that the banks can call it their own uh, when they get it. Uh, and it is growing on me. <laughs> growing on you. What was your initial reaction? Well, it's you know you chuck it here, you chuck it there. Um, you know yeah. that seems kind of um, I don't. Um, a little loosey goosey with your money, but, um, at the end of the day, it actually does work. Yeah. Well, you know, I know the intention is to use this talking to other banks, but who knows, maybe it'll become a verb. Maybe we'll be Googling and Venmoing and chucking someday. All right. So in our last couple of minutes here, I just want to hit anything that we didn't hit. What's, what's the take home for each of you, um, that, that you want listeners to remember from the episode, Ron, maybe I'll start with you. Uh, I think the the key here is banks need a holistic solution to to their payment challenges, and I think the Chuck Network is a potential way to to, to deal with a, a bunch of issues that are coming down the road for them in, a, in an in, a, in an economic way that's uh, more beneficial than if they try to deal with all these things one off. Um, and it's it's fellow banks. It's like, you know, get over this competitive thing. As Julie said, it's a pretty long road from Reading, Massachusetts down to the Chesapeake uh, Valley. And so you got to kind of get over this competitive aspect. I, I would add that, uh, well, really, I'm going to repeat what Ron said. I, I think it's about there's so much going on in payments right now. It's shifting significantly, whether it's it's faster payments or how cons- or how consumers are choosing to make payments. Um, and, and banks need to be part of that. And this is this is honestly an easy way to do it. Um, it's a way to get connected. It's an it's a relatively inexpensive solution and a way to to solve all those problems. So uh, it makes a lot of sense to me. Um, and uh, as as coming from uh, a lot of work teams that work with uh, the core processors and, and know some of those challenges. We've been intentional about making it easy to do. Um, so it just makes a lot of sense to be connected uh, everywhere your customer wants to be. Yeah, sure. So it, is, so it is all about the customer, right? Um, and that's one thing I think banks, when they build things or cores, when they build things, don't necessarily always take into consideration. Um, and so we've been very intentional about what does the consumer want and um, and what they wanted um, was a Venmo-like like experience. Um, and so we actually built something that can use the Venmo. Um, you, think you can transfer to Venmo or you can actually transfer um, the way consumers want um, want to receive the money. So um, we're happy with that. But the thing that I'm, I guess, most proud of is the fact that as a banking industry who generally are not that innovative, um, we've actually created something here and we've done it together in a collaborative way. And for a community bank to actually come out with a product for the industry um, and uh, and be able to do that and share costs, um, I think it's um, something that we'll be, a prou- we'll be very proud about. For sure. Cannot wait to see where this goes uh, and how it grows. So where where should folks find you if they want to learn more about the network? Alloylabs.com slash Chuck. Um, or you can find me on LinkedIn, LinkedIn, uh, DJ Cedarlin, S-E-E-T-E-R-L-I-N. That's it for this week. If you like the show, make sure to give us a five-star rating on your favorite podcast platform or share it with a friend or share it on social media. We'll see you again next week with more. Breaking Banks.